Hello and welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One. My name is Mark Hamilton. Not joining me today, my friend, my neighbor, my colleague, my frenemy, as some would say, Mr. Mark Daly. And that's because I have a very, very special guest joining me today, the founder of the Race Weekend, Magnus Greaves. Magnus, I'll kick it over to you. How the heck are you, my friend? I am doing great. Very good to be back with you. So much for us to catch up on. This is exciting. I'm trying so hard to stay out of the realm of the NBA because for those that obviously listen to the show, they know I'm a big NBA fan, but kind of pulling back the curtains a little bit on your life, you're an NBA fan as well. And the last time we actually hung out was we were watching a game from the NBA playoffs since then. And I just have to ask you, your Philadelphia 76ers fired their head coach. They've hired the head coach of my favorite, the previous head coach of my favorite team in Nick Nurse. What were your thoughts on that signing? Was it what you were hoping for? I, I, I'm, I'm not one who posts on social media. I've only ever done two posts in my whole life. <laughs> Both of them were fire Doc Rivers. And I've had one <laughs> dream, one fantasy, is that we would get Nick Nurse as a coach, which seemed impossible, and it's happened. So I am incredibly happy. Let's just, uh, our dreams come true. I guess the only question left is whether you guys keep James Harden at this point. I desperately hope not. Let's just say that. Okay. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the third that thing I wanted. Too. Fire Doc Rivers, hire Nick Nurse, get rid of James Harden. So let's let's see. You're two-thirds of the way exactly. there. Very, very happy for you. So my friend, I, I think for the audience, and obviously you've joined us on the show a couple of times, and our friendship, our partnership now goes back a couple of years. But maybe for those that are newer to the show, maybe give our audience an introduction and tell them a little bit about yourself. For sure. So so I am the co-founder and publisher of Race Weekend magazine. So our focus is the circuit, cities, and culture of Formula One. Uh, myself and my partner, Tom Brown, who also lives here in Vancouver, we actually started creating Formula One magazines with that approach uh, over eight years ago now. Uh, and so, as you know, the landscape and, and the perception of Formula One uh, and the centers of Formula One were very different back then. Uh, but we always hoped and, and, and fantasized that uh, it would become very big in the United States and, and in North America. Um, and that's obviously where we are right now. So we changed the name, the format, the business model uh, to Race Weekend back in 2020. And um, it's just been a, a wonderful, wonderful run the last uh, two or three years. And, and what we're sort of looking at right now going forward with all these U.S. races and just the the, the 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 way that fans are looking and engaging with the sport it's just it's just great so our magazine is is i say magazine but you know it's not like a magazine it's not one of these little flimsy things and you wonder why it's in print uh it's a big oversized magazine that my partner makes uh in a very beautiful uh beautifully designed beautifully photographed way and uh, we're getting a wonderful reception to it. Magnus, I have to ask this because if you look at the race weekend, you would you would assume, in fact, that you've spent the last 30 years in the publishing industry, that the, the, Magnus, the mag- magazine itself is 
really a culmination of decades of experience and experimentation and innovation. But that's not necessarily your background, right? Like, talk about the genesis of how you pivoted from your previous career into to print in, in journalism and media. For sure. So I grew up here in Vancouver. Uh, I wanted to work in the financial market. So I moved to London, England when I was uh, 19 years old to become a trader in the futures pits, uh, which was uh, just an incredible opportunity. Uh, it treated me really well, but also still haunts me in my dreams some nights because it's a crazy <laughs> environment. Um, but that, and then, and then we worked, we set up an electronic trading firm in London and was in a really fortunate position to be able to sell that. Uh, my, my love, my passion since I was literally a, a kid, uh, was magazines. I used to be obsessed with BMX magazines and how that brought me inside of a different culture and transported me geographically and, and everything else. And, um, so I wanted to do the same. So after I sold my trading company, I set up a, a trading magazine, but one that sort of merged the lifestyle, cultural aspects of trading with the more technical side of it. Um, obviously, I didn't have any training in that space other than having collected thousands of magazines since I was a kid. But I hired a, a, a tutor from the London College of Printing. She taught me about the magazine process and business. And then I launched a magazine. So I had that company for a few years. Uh, but again, living in London, understand, sort of falling in love with Formula One as a fan feeling like that there was something missing from the from the media perspective uh, or in the media landscape from the fans' perspective. There was all this technical stuff and who won the race, uh, but where was the exciting bit about the travel, the cities, the culture, the history done in a really great way? So um, that inspired me from a fan perspective. And then uh, from a business perspective, I understood that the audience of Formula One was a really great one to tap into. So, you know, that was... Uh, Eight years ago with F1, but maybe 15, 18 years ago with my first magazine. And my partner, Tom, has been designing beautiful magazines literally for decades. So I think he's been in, doing that for over 30 years. So that's why it, um, you know, we were able to come out of the gates with such a polished looking product because he's just such a, he's just such a pro. How did, how did that partnership come together. And you, you mentioned something pretty interesting, and I, our, obviously our listeners know, but Daly and I are based out of Vancouver. You and your partner are based out of Vancouver. Vancouver, in a lot of ways, really couldn't be farther from the world of Formula One. We don't have an IndyCar race in their backyard. We don't have an FE race. If you want to go to a race, you've either got to fly six hours to Montreal or three and a half hours into Texas. Like We're not exactly in the, the heartland of the world of F1. How did that partnership arise, and what did those initial conversations look like? And of course, like you said, race weekend wasn't the initial plan but how did the initial conversations about hey let's put together something formula one related look well this is this is where the things just got a little crazy and it just felt like fate and it was meant to be so i've been working on a plan for a formula one media product for about four or five years uh, just sort of in the plan uh, three or four years in the planning stages and i online one day i saw this uh this Formula One magazine that was actually beautifully designed and it looked terrific. And I thought, oh no, somebody beat me to it. <laughs> and so I, I had to immediately go into research mode and I was just very curious to see who the designer was that was behind it. Uh, and I looked it up and his name was Tom Brown and good old Google helped me figure out that not only is he from Port, uh, from Vancouver, he's from Port Moody, which you and I know is a suburb outside of Vancouver, which is actually where I grew up and went to school. So I, I couldn't believe like, there must have been a, some kind of mistake there. So I called a friend of mine who's a great 
a magazine designer in New York. And I said, hey, have you heard of this guy, Tom Brown? And he said, yeah, he's one of the greats. He's one of the, like the really top, top designers. Uh, he goes, reach out to him, tell him you know me. And um, that's what I did. And then I, I went out to Port Moody. We sat there for a couple of hours, cooked up some ideas, and it was just uh, straight away. We, we, we started making plans for our own products together. And so we've been doing that for, yeah, for the last, you know, nine years, 10 years in terms of when you include all the planning and then, and then launching the first product eight years ago. I recently had the fourth and final edition of the initial collection of Race Weekend land on my doorstep. It was everything that I hoped it would be, but you're now four issues. Collection went deep into this journey. Has it been everything that you would have expected it to be? It, honestly, it's been incredible. And I, and I think, I mean, obviously, you know, we're proud of the magazines that we put out, but really it's all of the opportunities and, and, and engagement and community that sort of built up around it. You know, I think that the, 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 the F1 fan, the typical F1 fan three, four, five years ago is very different from the typical F1 fan right now. Uh, and as is the level of enthusiasm and therefore the feedback. And because, as you know, we have a direct-to-consumer business model. So we don't go through the newsstand. Everybody comes to the website. We see everybody that buys the magazine. They know how to email me directly. Uh, so that side of it's been way better than I had ever expected uh, in terms of engaging with people. And then also, when we set up on this journey, I used to travel to races all around the world and have meetings with people in Formula One. And they'd say, well, okay, where are you based? And I'd say Vancouver. And they'd look at me like, why the heck are you here? It's so irrelevant. And then now, obviously, those same companies are looking at us like we're in a very strategic location with our insight into to the North American fan base. So, you know, and that's led to some pretty cool opportunities and, and partnerships I think from the from the product side, um, we've achieved what we wanted with each individual magazine, uh, and the feedback you know really reinforces that in terms of we created something really unique that people want to keep, which is great. Um, as you know, we bundled them together in a collection of four magazines. So this first collection is is done, and we've now just announced a second collection. But we've also learned in the process, like I think the, the number one bit of constructive feedback we received was that people didn't want to wait for each other, you know, for the next magazine to come because our content isn't based on time, right? A normal magazine is like, okay, this is what happened in June, so we're going to report on it in July. Each of our magazines is a timeless topic within F1, and so there's no real essential need to wait for the next one, if you like. And also, you know, to be fair, we had a bit of an irregular publishing schedule, which was, you know, frustrating for people that were anticipating the magazine. It was also frustrating for us. So the, the, the major difference that we're doing with Collection 2 is that we're, we're, we're creating, printing, and shipping all four issues at once at the same time. And I think that's going to be a lot more uh, impactful and substantial and, and, and rewarding for the people that, uh, that sign up to it. Like you mentioned, you've just recently completed the initial collection, which of course is the first four issues of the race weekend magazine. What are some of the things that you've learned that maybe you didn't expect when you began this, began this journey? Well, I think, you know, again, on the business side, I think just how people kind of want, want to get that package. I think also that, um, you know, the we we knew one of the things we knew going into this was that you know 95% of fans 
do not go to a race during the season. In fact, it's probably even higher than that. And so we wanted to create a big product with these great photographs that sort of brought you right into the action, something tangible that you can touch and, you know, it's not like we can go down to uh, Foot Locker or Champ Sports and go buy some F1 gear, you know what I mean? And so so I think that was great in terms of um, fulfilling that. But now the price of going to a Grand Prix is just, is just astronomical. Like for t- ticket prices, uh, hotel upcharges, the whole deal has become so expensive. So I think, I think even more people are wanting products or f- tangible items that connect them to Formula One, and also that sort of signal to the world that they're fans of F1, you know? I think there's a lot of disappointment with a lot of the existing merch out there, a team polo shirt or what have you. Um, And so I think we offer something uh, different and alternative to show that you're, you know, you're kind of bonding with a a different subgroup of, of fans over a different type of Formula One product. And so I didn't, you know, again, I think we had certain ideas in that direction, uh, but I think I think the way Formula One has developed has made that need even stronger. And then people email us honestly every single day. We get messages on Instagram or or emails uh, telling us what they like about the product or what they want more of. And I guess as much as we encourage that feedback and that interaction, we get more of that than I'd anticipated. And so uh, just the the ideas. And the insights into what people want is is sort of that that's been an eye opener and that's been wonderful. I'm dying to give you some runway because I really want to hear about what the future has in store and what you're working on right now. But before we do that, I want to pivot back to something that was released during the Miami Grand Prix weekend. And this is this is something that you'd in kind of offline personal conversations, you'd mentioned that something was in the works, but never did I expect to see you would drop a co-collaborative Tiesto race weekend box set, my friend. I, I got to hear, how did that come together? So that that was, I mean, that, that just kind of speaks to how far Formula One has come in the last uh, in the last couple <laughs> of years. So, so I got to know uh, a great young guy, Charlie Pomerantz, um, he was going to the University of Miami, and he worked with us uh, during the Miami Grand Prix a year and a half ago. And he ended up graduating and going to work at Atlantic Records. And so he, a lot of the music artists were, were having an interest in, in, in different elements of Formula One. Some just wanted to show up at a race. Some wanted to perform at a race. Um, and with Tiesto, he's been a Formula One fan for a very long time. And his new album, or at the time his upcoming album, uh, was inspired a lot by Formula One. And so Tiesto had seen Race Weekend and loved our visuals and and came to us, approached us about designing his album. So the cover of his album, which is just madness. So so the album is called Drive. And again, Tom Tom went to work and um, created this incredible you know, a helmet, Tiesto helmet, which you've seen, uh, and, and a lot of elements around that. Tiesto loved it. Uh, and we ended up, um, we ended up actually designing other elements for him. So taking that initial concept and applying it to his live show. I mean, if you go to Vegas, it's on billboards. It was, you know, if you go to his live show, you'll see that incorporated in his merchandise. Um, but the album came out 
two weeks before the Miami Grand Prix. So in speaking with, with Tiesto's team, we came up with this idea to, you know, it's one thing that we designed the album, but to introduce it to a very Formula One specific audience, we thought to do this box set. So including his album uh, and including our magazine, we did a, a collaborative t-shirt together. We did a collaborative poster together. And what was super cool was that uh, we brought Pirelli in as well. So so Tiesto, actually you can see it in the background here, Tiesto has this riff on the on the iconic Pirelli uh, podium hat, which he sort of did on his own. But we brought in Pirelli to do uh, a sort of a special official version of it, uh, which was amazing. So that was included in the package as well. Uh, Tiesto played, actually, so Tiesto ended up handing out the Pirelli uh, pole position award at the Miami Grand Prix. He played the big show at the end of the weekend. We released the box set. He promoted it. It, it was just, it was just incredible. It was incredible. And um, it kind of put us into a different a different position and, and, and some other sort of partnerships and opportunities are coming to us on the back of that. But, you know, when we say that we want to sort of document and explore the circuit cities and culture of Formula One, I mean, doing Tiesto's album and a collaborative release in Miami at the Grand Prix kind of, you know, is, a, is an extreme version of those three things coming together. <laughs> I just I want to add as well that the the cover art for Drive, if you haven't seen it, definitely Google it, check it out. Uh, the LP itself is is worth buying, even if you don't listen to LP. It's just a great collector's piece to have as an F one fan. I was very very fortunate to get my hands on one of the very limited box sets, and I treasure it. And I, I would just add, and our listeners have been hearing me talk about creating our own merch for two years. When I pulled that T shirt out of the box, it was like it was like somebody had shot me because the quality was so good. It re calibrated my expectations of what we wanted to do with our own. It was like it came out of a high-end boutique in terms of the quality and the embroidered patches. It's just beautiful. Everything about the collection was fantastic. And to hear that Tiesto was promoting it live during the event is incredible. And I believe that the limited number of box sets that you had, you burned through those in no time during the race weekend. Well, those, those went right away. They, they, they were gone. They were gone. Uh, which... You know, it's funny because when you when you go into these things, you have these expectations and 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 you never know quite how it's going to turn out. But we we uh, we we put the thing live and uh, and they were pretty much there were, I think, all but two were gone right away. And then and then the next two went shortly thereafter. So it was it was pretty great. Uh, it was pretty great experience, but also it 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 gave us ideas an insight into what people want and how they want it, right? Like it's, you know, okay, some people might love the McLaren team and a McLaren Polo is going to make you happy, but other people want something a bit more unique or special or or tying in different elements of Formula One, not Formula One in your face, Formula One logo. They want to come at it from a different way. So that was a really great lesson for us and also just how it's, how it's packaged. Um, that T-shirt was made by a company called Raining Champ. So Raining Champ is a company that I've been in love with for a long time, like years. And their background, so they started out by making uh, uh, sweatshirts for Supreme and other companies at that level. Then they launched Raining Champ, which is like super high-end, minimal sportswear, and they happen to be a Vancouver company. So we're now fully partners with them. And I can't say too much right now, but we are working on a very, very special uh, 
collection with them for the Austin Grand Prix. And when that comes out, that, wow, very that cool. And and Vancouver based, Vancouver you say? Based. Interesting. I'm yeah. joking. That's yeah. amazing. That's that is amazing, my friend. So I I think this I I think this does a pretty good job of kind of wrapping up where the show came from, uh, what you've accomplished so far. Obviously, the first collection, the Tiesto collaboration, which I still can't wrap my head around. But I'd love to know a little bit more about what you're working on now and what the future. And you teased a little bit about it there with the Austin Grand Prix piece. But what are you working on now? What does the future hold? What does Collection Two look like for Race Weekend? So Collection Two again four magazines. Um, and as I mentioned, they're going to come all at the same time. We're working on them very hard at the moment. We, we, we actually put a theme together for them. So we're looking at the iconic Formula One teams, uh, Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes, and McLaren. And we're kind of looking at them from a historical perspective as well as a modern day perspective. Um, each one of those is going to get their own special issue. Uh, we have great photo archives that we can tap into. We're working with each of the teams uh, to shoot some some new stuff uh, as well. So th- those each of those issues is going to be very, very special. And I think that's going to tap into, you know, we all love a, a team or two. Uh, and also we're, everybody's fascinated by those teams that have dominated Formula One. So those will come together in a nice race weekend box. Uh, we're going to get those out for November the 1st. So we've, we just launched a pre-order yesterday. And we've done a we've done a really cool I'll I'll show you but we've done a really cool set of race weekend patches because the patches that we did for Tiesto were so well received we we've, we've done a, a limited set of race weekend patches in the in the color schemes of those four iconic teams uh, so the first thousand people that sign up for the pre order we're gonna we're gonna send them out a, a set of those patches uh, so so that's one thing that we're doing obviously that's the core product of what we do. The second is uh, we're going to do more merchandise, but more on a limited collaborative uh, basis. Um, so so what we're going to do directly with Reigning Champ for Austin is is what we have in mind at the moment. Um, the, the U.S. races, as you know, have been changing the whole landscape of Formula One. We have a really amazing partnership in Las Vegas uh, with the Wynn Hotel, Wynn Resorts. Yeah, so so what's interesting, I think most people know this, but what's interesting about the Las Vegas Grand Prix is that it's the first race that where there's no outside third-party promoter. So Formula One owns that race themselves. They've put half a billion dollars into this permanent structure that's going to be in Las Vegas, and they've partnered with the three hotel groups, uh, MGM, Caesars, and Wynn Resorts. And so we've been incredibly lucky to be uh, partners with Wynn and we're working on a lot of cool stuff and Wynn is going to be the host hotel for a lot of amazing activities and events that whole week um, so everyone all those hotels are going to have a Grand Prix experience but but they have the concourse of Las Vegas car show the week before they're hosting a a Formula One driver tournament of sorts uh, and uh, there, there's going to be the the uh, F1 uh, Sotheby's auction is going to be on site. The official launch party. I mean, it's just going to be amazing. So, and and I think it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of discussion about Las Vegas and the Las Vegas race. I think for a lot of fans, for most fans, uh, the ticket prices have just become outrageous. Uh, it's going to be an, a spectacular event, but for most people, it's out of reach. So I, I, I feel that frustration. 
But what I will say, the game-changing nature of the Las Vegas Grand Prix is not what happens that weekend. It's what happens the rest of the year. Formula One, and this is one of the things that's always kind of bothered me about Formula One, is that it's such a transient sport. It shows up for a weekend. It gives you all this high for, for a couple of days, and it takes off, and it leaves nothing behind. This is the first race where Formula One is going to leave something behind. They put half a billion dollars into this, this building. There's going to end up being that F1 arcade is going to be there. There's going to, they're going to host events there year-round. There's rumors of a, a Formula One Hall of Fame. There's going to be all sorts of things that happen there. But it's for the first time, there's going to be a physical anchor uh, with events that happen, not just during the Grand Prix weekend, but year-round. So I think the legacy... And what that sets up going forward for, for us Formula One fans in North America and, and globally because people visit Las Vegas from around the world. But I think that's going to be the real game changer. So um, that's where it, it's funny. This weekend is the Montreal Grand Prix, which as a Canadian, you think that's our home race. But there's two problems with that. One is the the, the, the American Grand Prix circuits have been amazing at, at, at partnering with us and working with us, but I can't get... I can't get the Montreal Grand Prix to return my phone call. Uh, and then also being on the West Coast, you know, Las Vegas is just two hour flight away. So actually, in some respects, that's our that's our home Grand Prix. Uh, so, yeah, I'm 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 super excited about what's happening down. It's there. funny you mentioned that that kind of link to the Canadian Grand Prix, because I've always felt the same way that Austin has been more of a home Grand Prix. Las Vegas for sure is more of a home Grand Prix because it will be so physically close to us up here in the Pacific Northwest. And as well, just getting access to the people from Bell and Octane and the Canadian Grand Prix is just in, it's an impossibility, impossibility. They're just, they're not, they're not friendly when it comes to partnerships. So those are some fantastic Update. So you've got the new collection coming and you've got some date lines on that or some timelines on that. The Las Vegas stuff is amazing. And my question for you was going to be, do you think that this changes the landscape of F1? Because you make that great point about the championship being transient. They come, they set up for a weekend, they tear it down, they go. It's kind of like when you have that carnival that shows up in a mall parking lot for a week every every spring or every fall, and then they're gone. I think you make a great point that they're invested in the community, and they're going to leave physical infrastructure behind, which is pretty cool. So so when I go and speak to companies, you know, and you know, we don't put ads in our magazine. There, there's no ads, right? So our business isn't to go and sell ads to, to companies. When we go and speak to a company, it's because we're trying to set up a bigger long-term partnership. What I always say is like, think about it in terms of time and space. So Las Vegas Grand Prix, that weekend in Las Vegas, you'll have no problem making a ton of money. That's great. But us fans in North America, we're here year round and we're watching races year round. So how can you expand your presence in Formula One uh, beyond that weekend in terms of time and, and away from your location in terms of space? So so I think what having that permanent building in Las Vegas does is it expands the time that there's going to be that presence, which I think is incredible. Space, or, or, you know, in terms of location, that's, that's something else, but... It, Las Vegas is a city that gets the most uh, inbound, uh, you know, tourists. So that really helps with a lot of people. That are, whether they go there specifically for something Formula One related, or maybe they're there for some type of convention or party, and they're gonna come and see what's happening in terms of F one at that location. So I think that that's uh, absolutely a game changer. I often look at Formula One compared to you know 
a typical North American sports team, like an NFL team or an NBA team, when when you have a stadium, when you have a physical presence in a city, in a location, you have a responsibility to that community, right? Whether it's, um, you know, putting on sports-related programming or whether it's, you know, helping uh, people in need, what have you. Formula One has never had to have that responsibility because either the circuits are street circuits and they, they get put up and they get taken down or the circuit is somebody else's responsibility. But this is the first time that Formula One is going to have a permanent year-round presence in a city. And so, I mean, they're, they're the ones that have all the, the IP and all the talents and everything else. And so the programming that they can put on year-round, but also how they are going to be forced to interact with fans on a year-round basis, I think it's going to force them to be a little bit more open uh, and and provide more interesting uh, opportunities. And I think it's going to force them to listen to fans in a... Like, it's one thing when you get feedback online, you can take it or leave it. It's faceless. But when you're getting... When you have to face fans all the time because you're in that location it means that you have to start listening to them in different ways. So, look, I, I think that the Liberty era for Formula One has been f fantastic. Uh, and I think that, I'll call this like the Las Vegas era, uh, is going um, to be monumental as well. So I, I'm just super excited. A quick comment on Vegas as well. It's, until the past few years, it's never been, it's never been a destination that's appealed to me. But obviously, the last few years, they've added an NHL team and T-Mobile Arena. They just won a Stanley Cup. Imagine that. Vegas won a Stanley Cup. They they secured the Raiders. I, I think the state Senate has just approved a funding package to help build a new ballpark for the Oakland Athletics that are expected to move there in the next couple of years. And then on top of that, they have a Formula One race that is going to be on, on the Strip. And, you know, it, rumors and the concept of an F1 race in Vegas aren't new. But I never imagined a day where they would actually build the paddock and the infrastructure downtown and they would race on the strip. Like, this is something that I don't think most F1 fans could have imagined in their wildest dreams. Like, yeah, we're going to Nevada, but it's going to be a purpose-built circuit in the desert. And that's not what it is at all, right? No. And, and and you know, I always look at a the effect of and the experience of a, of a race weekend, of a Grand Prix, has a lot to do with the distance between the circuit and the best neighborhood, like the coolest neighborhood, the hippest neighborhood, whatever. And, in, you know, it's like in Miami, Miami is an incredible event, right? And and a lot happens at the circuit. And I love going out in Miami. I mean, there's so many different great neighborhoods. But there's such a distance between Hard Rock Stadium and South Beach or Wynwood or Brickell or what have you. So sometimes, even though great things happen in those different neighborhoods, um, again, they're spread out. And then there's a distance on a highway that you have to travel. So sometimes you kind of lose the vibe or whatever. <laughs> in, in, in Las Vegas, you have everything. And not only everything, but everything is on one street. And the race is going down that street on a Saturday night, which is the best time that that street comes alive. And so, you you know, it's kind of like the, the Singapore Grand Prix is, is a similar setup, but this is going to be that much better. The other thing, which when we first went to Miami before the, their inaugural race, I was blown away by how every location that we went to, because we were creating a guide on behalf of the Miami Grand Prix. So we went and visited a lot of different locations and every company that we went to was 
preparing to do something for the race. And what was interesting was they, you know, because of Art Basel and all these different things that come to Miami, they knew how to sort of get behind a big event. And then because they knew that the race was going to be in Miami for 10 years, these companies felt, hey, this is worthwhile to invest because it's not just a one-off. So, so cut to Las Vegas, it's also a 10-year event, so the, the investment is big. But you have these partners in these, in these huge resort casinos that control 99% or 90% of what goes on there. And the their ability to, I mean, it's what they do is host an event, is host the best events. They do it every single night of the year. So the level at which they do that is just, is unbelievable. Like, I, I mean, this is, we're still six months out and I've just, what I'm seeing is like nothing I've ever imagined when it comes to Formula One. So I think, again, that event is going to be incredible, but it's actually the legacy of what happens after that I think is really going to benefit us as fans. A couple of other questions uh, I'd love to ask you while I've got you on the show. One, I've heard rumors that you're working on some pop-ups in Austin and NYC, and I'd love if you can comment on that. But I've also heard rumors through the grapevine that you might be working on some other products, maybe a different line of magazines, books, guides. Would love uh, would love some insight or a sneak peek into some of the other concepts that you're working on. I, I, Absolutely. So, you know, we we've developed this direct to consumer business model um, because it's efficient and it and it opens up a lot of channels to people around the world, which is amazing. As a business, the number one thing that we'd love to do, which I try every year to do, but I get knocked back every year is to sell race weekend at the circuit. Right. And, and for whatever reason, that's not been achievable yet. But especially when you see the four magazines together um, I think it has a real impact on people and they, they get very excited by it. So we're trying to figure out how we sell magazines to people in person. So one of the things that we're, we need to look at is what do we do during a race weekend? So in Austin, during that weekend, uh, we're going to be working with a big retailer that has an incredible prominent position in Austin uh, to do a pop-up inside their shop. Uh, so that'll allow us to be in the city during the race. And so I'll give you more details as soon as I'm able to. Uh, and that'll be a great experiment for us and allow us to meet a whole bunch of fans that are in town. Separately, now that Formula One is just so popular uh, across the board, we want to try to do something in person uh, in a city where we know we have a lot of subscribers and there's a lot of fans, but away from a, a, a live Grand Prix. So uh, we've chosen New York City uh, to do to do a pop up there, and we're looking to do that in September, uh, and that's going to be that's going to be amazing. We're 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 going to take over our own location there, uh, have like a street level retail presence, uh, a couple of days of, of programming over the weekend. So look, we'll be trying to sell magazines and the shirts or what have you, but you know we're going to try and uh, get some some Formula One elements into that shop that people might not otherwise get a chance to see. So those are two things that we're we're going to be experimenting with. And it just gives us a chance to meet people. And there's nothing like getting feedback about your product face to face as well. So um, we're looking forward to that. We, we often have uh, ideas for other products. So for instance, you know, the Miami Grand Prix came to us and they had us create that guide 
people love that. So we're trying to do more, more guides, whether it's about a location or about a particular team or what have you. Uh, there's been some ideas that we've had for, for books. So for instance, uh, the jet set issue where we, where we kind of break down, um, you know, the experience of each Grand Prix location around the world, people want more details <laughs> about all of that. And again, wh whether you're looking to plan that race that you go to, or whether you're not going to go to a race, but you just want to know more about that experience. So um, we're we're looking at turning that into, into a book, um, uh, more comprehensive, more details, uh, more detailed look at each of those cities. And also just, it's not just the city itself, it's like, it's like how you approach it and what you do and the history of those. And like some people want to go to a historical venue like Monza and just sort of feel the spirit of uh, races gone by. And other people just want to go to Abu Dhabi and have an amazing party and try and get on a yacht. So uh, we're going to break that down in different ways, which would be a lot of fun. But we're, we're, there's a partnership that we're working on at the moment, which will allow us to turbocharge our ability to create and distribute uh, these new products. So I'm hoping in a couple of weeks, I'll be able to come back and tell you about that. But, and again, these are ideas that we've had some of them for a while, but it's in that feedback that we have uh, to people that have purchased race weekend that say, Hey, you know, we'd love more of this or more of that. And so, you know, I think now we're, we kind of have the momentum and the, and the audience to be able to explore that more fully. Final question, and this occurred to me as you were talking. I know you spend a lot of time traveling. You must have platinum status on Air Canada, but you're in Miami, you're in New York, and you're not there for the just for the races, but you're going to these places two, three times in advance to prep and scout locations and build relationships. How uh, How has the support from your family been? I know this isn't a traditional nine-to-five job where you got to get online at nine o'clock, you sign off at five, you stop for lunch at 1230. How is the how is the support from your family been? Uh, have they embraced obviously something that's a huge passion project for you? You know, Mark, that, that's a great question. Um, my family's been amazing and super supportive. Right. And, and, and support comes in different shapes and forms at different times. Right. And so I've always traveled with whatever business I've had. You know, I th honestly, I think the travel is sort of the least of it. Um, you know, you can always sort of figure out the logistics of traveling or, 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 or of what happens at home when you're, when, when one person is away. I think the, 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 the harder thing is the entrepreneurial journey of it all. And, you know, I look back and I realize that we had the right thesis and the right approach going into this. Um, I didn't know that it would take a Netflix show and a pandemic for everything to really kind of come together. <laughs> you can't, you can't put that in your business plan. But I think, I think, you know, where the family support comes in is in the sort of patience and in believing that you're going to pull it off. And then, you know, when they get a chance to see the reaction that other people have, it's quite cool too, because, you know, my, my, my kids I have two sons and a daughter. And um, to be fair, they're not into Formula One at all, but their friends are, you know, and, and so sometimes I can get magazines or t-shirts to their friends and, and, um, and they can kind of get a feel for, for, for what race weekend is. And they see their friends get excited about the magazine. So that's, that's super great. Um, and you know, a friend of mine said to me one time, it's meant to be hard, but not this hard. And what he meant by that was the, you know, we have always had a great product from the beginning 
Um, and it's always resonated with fans right from the get-go, but we've never had the support of Formula One itself. And Formula One is not a sport with a strong entrepreneurial ecosystem. In fact, it has no entrepreneurial ecosystem that it supports, unlike the NBA, the NFL, you know, soccer. Um, so yeah, so I think I've kind of pushed my family's patience to the extreme, but they've been uh, they've they've been amazing, and so hopefully they'll start to take a little interest in Formula One, and I can take them to a race or two in the future. But yeah, it's been it's been it's been quite a journey. I don't think I've ever mentioned this to you, but we have listeners that reach out to us asking to intern with you. I'm like, why not ask to intern with us? Why race weekend? <laughs> obviously, obviously they, they have a great amount of appreciation and respect for what you do. And I think people want to be a part of what you're building, which uh, I think speaks a, a, a lot to to how successful you've been and, and how aligned your product is with the needs and the wants of the F1 community. My friend, before we sign off, anything else you want to share? Where can people track you guys down on social media and if somebody's interested in picking up collection one or getting in on collection two how can they do that our website is uh, raceweekend.co or the raceweekend.com uh, on social media we're just active on on instagram at the race weekend again right now we currently only sell the the collections of magazines online at at the website and again just to point out sort of collection one collection two these are all magazines with topics that are evergreen that, you know, we've done a 1970s issue in, in collection one. That's not going to change in two years time. The 1970s is locked in. We, unfortunately, we can't go back and enjoy that, that decade again. Uh, so, you know, if you're introduced to race weekend at the time that we're putting out collection two, go back and get collection one. We'll be, we'll be selling those for a long time. Right now, collection two is available on pre-order. Um, you know, the advantage of pre-order from a from a consumer's point of view is that since we started doing race weekend the price of paper has doubled uh shipping charges have gone up yeah it, it's crazy so there's so much pressure on us to change the price from a hundred dollars and and push it up but uh the pre-orders we're gonna lock in that price and, and keep the free shipping uh we've also What's interesting is we've noticed that um, people come back and buy a second collection for a friend. Uh, and there's a lot of, of gift purchasing at, at Christmas time of race weekend. Um, and people buy more than one at a time, which is great. So we've done this special for collection too, where if you come and pre-order it, you can get two collections for $175. And and uh, we got people taking us up on that, which is super fun. And then, you know, we just, um, yeah. So so on online at the website, uh Send us messages on, on Instagram, uh, my email club at theraceweekend.com. If people just want to find out more, uh, you know, we're, we're very open and uh, open to feedback. We love it. Magnus, I cannot thank you enough on behalf of the show, on behalf of myself and Mr. Daly. Thank you so much for joining us here. I know it's early on a Saturday morning, but you and I have been eager to link up and, and talk business, talk shop for a long time. Thank you so much to everybody listening at home. If you like the show, you know what you can do for us. Give us a rating on Spotify or rating and review on Apple. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you. I feel like a locomotive sipping, drinking Arizona. Mixtape just around the corner. Did a lot in California. Can't wait to drop this on you. Yeah, they gon' have fun with that. Smash like song. I'm in my songs. Gonna break through like a running back.